See this? This is my boomstick! Bartender Dos Martinez, por favor. Keep talking, baby. Maybe you'll tell me something I don't already know. Fancy pants. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. I don't know what to do. I do. Declare these hot dogs to be delicious! I knew that put a bug up his ass. Yep, nice try, guys. You left your back door wide open. Come to Papa. Once a bloodsucker, always a bloodsucker. Then let's head down into that cellar and carve ourselves a witch. Groovy. What's up, you creepy fucks? It's your boy, BP. It's me again, and, and you're back, or you're starting anew. Either way, thank you so much for, for, for listening. I can't believe I'm still still doing it. I mean, it's mad, isn't it? I, you know, little old me is still talking about horror. We're going through this audio journey on a podcast through uh, this horror universe that's always expanding, always evolving since... I don't know what, like the fucking start of cinema, and it's still going. Some of it's good, some of it's shit. But we're not talking about films today. We're talking about something very, very special. So I've been stoked because this is old school. I'm solo. I'm flying on my own on this one. It's just me. Uh, so I'm sorry. Um, no guest on this one, but. I'm I'm enjoying the prospect of what it's going to be, and the reason is is because we're talking about not something but someone, someone who is a true legend, a true icon, and someone that I have really, really loved. Um, not sexually, well, um, but I have really, really uh, enjoyed um, my experience. This is getting worse, isn't it? My experience when watching him. Let's say that's even fucking worse, isn't it? Either way, we're going to be talking about Bruce Campbell. What a man. Give me some sugar, baby. So on this super groovy extravaganza episode, as I say, we're talking about, you know, the man, the legend, the icon, Bruce Campbell. Some people would say myth in that, but I fucking hate that. Why? Because he's not myth. He's a real fucking person. You know, living the dream, smoking as much weed as he wants, and just getting on with life still. You know, Bruce Campbell is genuinely one of the coolest guys to have ever walked the planet. In fact, he may be, you know, the coolest guy that's ever existed. And and that continues to be more so the older he gets. He's funny as fuck. He's smooth as hell. And he's genuinely, and I mean genuinely, a fantastic actor. And fortunately for us, he has rolled with the punches. The business has delivered him all over the years. And I love him all the more so for doing it. He's an actor, as we know, in movies and TV, you know, for over 40 years now. And he's an author of brilliantly hilarious books. And he is a director. I mean, he did direct a couple of films. A Man with a Screaming Brain, which stars Bruce Campbell. And My Name is Bruce which stars Bruce Campbell. He's kept us watching his magnificent chin for decades. 
and we can't look away, always awaiting his next project with excitement and always hoping it has something to do with the evil dead. But hey, come on, like, let's get used to the fact that that's all over with now. But he's a man of so many talents and I've been a fan of him since a kid. So why wouldn't I want to do an episode all about Bruce Campbell? So whether you've listened to an episode before or this is your first time, one of the things I love is details. I love to go into detail about whatever topic I'm talking about. And with this being a real person, they still have a life. I still have details that I can talk about. So it's fucking brilliant. So I love when I get to go into a little bit more information about whatever it is I'm talking about. So Bruce Lorne Campbell, he was born June the 22nd, 1958. Campbell was born in Royal Oak, Michigan, which a lot of the time uh, you sort of hear mentioned throughout throughout a lot of films that, that he's done and he's in or interviews. You know, Michigan and Royal Oak always sort of pops up, um, especially anything that sort of involves Sam Raimi. Campbell began acting as a teenager. And he soon began making short Super 8 movies with friends. His father supported his desire to act professionally. It was in Wally Groves High School that Campbell met Sam Raimi. And they became close friends and started making movies together. And thank God they fucking did. Campbell went to the Western Michigan University and Sam Raimi went and pursued his acting career. Sometime later, Campbell and Raimi got together again and started to work on their first ever movie project together, The Evil Dead. I've never fucking heard of it. (laughs) So, So from 1988 to 1991, Campbell did movies like Maniac Cop, Intruder, Moontrap, The Dead Next Door, Sundown the Vampire in Retreat, Maniac Cop 2, Darkman, Lunatics, A Love Story, Waxwork 2, Lost in Time, Mind Warp, and and came back in 1992 and did another film in the Evil Dead franchise called The Army of Darkness. And as we know, he continued to have cameos in Sam Raimi's movies throughout his career. Campbell has always been experimenting with his acting career since the beginning. He's worked in unconventional movies like Baba Hotep. Uh, and my, my name is Bruce. Uh, you know, and obviously he's done a lot of voice acting over the years, like the mayor from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. But no matter what, he always breathes a new sense of life into whoever he plays. Apart from the movies, Campbell has had a long career in television. He starred in The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., Um, A science fiction that only ran for one season. And then from 2000, 2001, he did Jack of All Trades, another short-lived program. Other shows that he did over the years are Ellen, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, Xena, The Warrior Princess, and had guest roles in the famous shows like Homicide, Life on the Street, The X-Files, which I will get into later, Charmed, and American Gothic. And he also had a long-running series called Burn Notice, which actually got his character spin-off, as people absolutely bloody loved his character. He has recently reprised his role as Ash in Ash vs. Evil Dead, which deserved to be, you know, sort of continue a lot longer than it did. But, you know, that's Hollywood. But he's still acting, and he's still being put in things. You know, most of the time is a Bruce Campbell-esque character, but let's hope, and I really do hope, that he does something a little bit different soon. 
you know, I love it when people take, you know, and actors, I mean, you know, and take it out of their comfort zone um, to really test out their sort of acting chops. And do you know what? Bruce Campbell has done that over the years. Um, but if you're so good at being that sort of character and everybody wants you to do it and you're going to get paid for it, then, I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, so, yeah, I mean, he can do what he wants because, you know, he's had a lifetime of being told he can't. So if he can now, why the fuck not? His autobiography came out in 2002 titled If Chins Could Kill, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor. And it was a New York Times bestseller and it's bloody brilliant. Um, You know, since then, he's made a shitload more and they are intelligently put together while remaining incredibly humorous. And I genuinely mean that. And what I mean by that is um, I am a visual person and I'm also fucking dumb as shit. (laughs) So reading isn't something that I really go out my way to do or, or really takes my fancy. You know, so for me to want to read something, I have to, first of all, be really interested in the topic and what it's about or what the story is or who's doing it. Um, so being Bruce Campbell, obviously, I wanted to read it. But I have to say, from the first page, um, you already feel like you have Bruce Campbell in your head as you're reading it, telling you, the, you know, the stories or the facts and that, you know all about what's happening in the book from the first book he did and so on so if you've never read bruce campbell books please do because they are really really fun they're just fun but you just get to uh, experience life like bruce campbell in a way because he's in your head reading it it's such a fantastic journey to be on and that is something i never thought i would say about a book but all we need now after everything he's done is for Bruce Campbell to drop an album. Uh, I don't know what type of music it would be, but I mean, imagine that. I mean, you know, who wouldn't want that? No matter what sort of music he does. But he truly is a legend of horror. You know, and horror fans love him, which is why, of course, I wanted to dedicate an episode to the Chinner Chins. So now, as usual, one of the things I love doing is, is talking about facts. You know, because sometimes I know fucking loads of them and I don't even need to look them up. But then sometimes I do. And I mean, on the last podcast episode was a prime example of that. Um, That episode was all about The Thing. And if you do love The Thing and you haven't listened to it before, make sure you do. Um, But on that episode, I was looking through the facts and I always knew that it didn't make too much money commercially. Um, But I genuinely thought, um, bearing in mind, it's in my top 10 films of all time. And I, I, horror fans absolutely love it. It's a perfect movie. But I genuinely had no idea that critics hated it when it came out. And some of them, some people even said like it was some of the worst films they've ever seen. It's insane. So that's why I love having the facts, because sometimes I learn stuff. So I want to share with you the facts uh, that I've uh, learned about Bruce Campbell. So number one. Army of Darkness made him about $93,000. His salary was $500,000, but after all the expenses like agents and managers and his ex-wife, he was left with very little money for a leading man in a Hollywood film. I mean, that is, that's insane, you know, because I mean, like like it said there, he was a leading man. Like he was the star of Army of Darkness and it wasn't a small film. 
the problem is, is that it was overshadowed by a, another new release, which we all know obviously is Jurassic Park, which came out with all its new special effects and CGI and Steven Spielberg and what I mean, what a fucking film, you know, change change cinema. But Army of Darkness was still still a big film, um, but it did nothing compared, and and so Jurassic Park fucked it over, but. This is, you know, this is insane that Bruce Campbell only made that little amount of money for for a leading man in that film because he is the star. There's not really other people uh, that are, you know, leading the way in that movie with him. Then they're they're co-stars, and uh, I'd be pretty pissed off if I was him. Uh, I'm sure he was, um, but you know, that's that's life, I guess, in Hollywood. Number two, he officiated a zombie wedding. How fucking cool would that be that you get married by Bruce Campbell? Because he can do anything and you know he would probably be the best at it. He probably was told, do you know what? You are the best. And he's like, yeah. Number three, for My Name is Bruce, an incredibly meta movie, which he directed. He built a movie set on his property to save time, money, and literally to be as close to home as he could. I mean, he's clever as well as handsome. Number four, he auditioned to play the Phantom, but luckily he didn't get the role as the film was a big pile of shit and so was Billy Zane. And weirdly enough, I can see Bruce Campbell in that role, way more than I can actually see Billy Zane in it. So once again, it's like a travesty to Hollywood. You know, could that film have been better with Bruce Campbell in it? Or is it lucky that he wasn't in it uh, because it could have been another film that properly bombed number five while campbell and his partners uh, were eventually able to film 1987's evil dead 2 it did not result in any huge financial windfall for the actor needing some steady income between action acting gigs he took a job as a security guard for uh, for a plant in the San Fernando Valley and worked from midnight to 8 a.m. So basically, he needed money and had to get a second job, which is insane to think that a Hollywood actor um, had to. But, you know, the bills have got to be paid, even if you are Bruce Campbell. And number six, he hated the title The Evil Dead. Alternative titles suggested uh, was the actual working title at the time, which was The Book of the Dead, Blood Flood, Death of the Dead, and The Evil Dead, which obviously, you know, ended up being what it's called, which Campbell called poor, but the least of the worst bunch. And that's it. That's that's the facts on, on Brucey. Some of them I knew. Most of them I didn't. There's not loads there. Um, but I hope that you learn something that's why i do these facts i hope that you learn something you didn't and uh hopefully it's piqued your your interest in him even more so i've given you um sort of you know a little tiny history biography whatever you want to fucking call it uh you know details of bruce campbell and his life of uh how it started and, and what happened in it and the things he's been in and what he's done um you know only briefly but I hope that you learned some stuff uh, about this man because, you know, to a lot of horror fans, he is Ash. 
uh, from the Evil Dead movies. Um, but do we really know that much about him or do you really give a fuck to know much about him? Well, guess what? You're listening to an episode all about him. So uh, you should give a fuck and you might as well start now. Um, and then also I gave you some facts about him, uh, which is also bloody brilliant. Uh, and I hope you got something out of that as well. But what I thought would be really um, sort of fun, which I hope it is for you, because it will be for me, is to go through his sort of filmography, whether that's uh, movies or TV. And uh, I wanted to go through it, not one by one. There's no way I'm going to go through it. I mean, look, over 40 years this guy's been doing it. So there's no way that I'm going to sit there and fucking talk about everything he's done. I remember at the start, he was making short films that probably like no one have seen anyway, that with Sam Raimi or whether it's on his home. You know, I'm not going to go through that. So I want to just go through films and highlight some, whether it's the films that are great, that he's been in all the performances, um you know i thought that would be something that's decent to go through so um obviously the first film we will end up starting with will be the evil dead and that film was released in 1981 um so i don't want to talk about too much about the film the reason being is because i did an episode already which hopefully you've listened to if you haven't like i mean what the fuck are you doing it's bloody brilliant go and listen to it um but i did an episode all about the evil dead franchise so i'm not gonna go heavy into it i just want to talk about him as an actor or what he done uh, in these movies and the first evil dead is an interesting one for, for bruce and the reason is because in that film he's very much the actor you know he's very much uh you know moving along with the film nothing really necessarily stand out apart from his chin and his eyebrows um, you know, and some of his weird facial expressions. Um, but it's the film itself that stands out. That's why it was so integral to horror at that time, because of the movie. His performance was good, but it wasn't, you know, Ash as we as we know him. Um, that didn't come into play until Evil Dead 2, which obviously we will get into. In between this time of 1981 uh, to the release of Evil Dead 2, 1987. Um, he did, you know, a few films, one of them being Sam Raimi's other film, Crime Wave, um, which, to be honest, uh, I've seen and I ha I'm happy to never see it again. It is pretty shit. Um, but then, obviously, he then had the success with Evil Dead 2 in 1987. So this is an, an interesting one because for the character of Ash, this is where he starts. This film is the birth of what we know as Bruce Campbell playing this character. You know, he is the lead in this film. You do have obviously the other characters in it, but they are very much more so co-stars. But this film is a real sort of award-winning, well, it should be, centrepiece of, of who Bruce Campbell is as an actor what he does in evil dead 2 is so far superior um to anything that he had done you know he he every element he nails in this film and that's why it's such a classic and some people do regard it as a better movie than the original evil dead um you know it works well on the horror aspects it works well in the comedy aspects but so much of that is driven, obviously, by Sam Raimi's directing. But the performance of him in it, you know, where he's smashing his 
head over with the plates um you know and, and uh the scene where all the things like the lamp and the deer on the wall thing is laughing at him or obviously the cutting off the hand or the chainsaw there's so many memorable scenes in evil dead 2 but they're made more memorable because of bruce campbell's performance and this film is like the definitive start of of him as that character's ash but to be honest for the career for his career that you know uh, and love that it stretched on to you know now and and so on on in 1988 uh he did maniac cop which actually um is sort of one of those um films that not so many horror fans talk about and i actually genuinely think maniac cop's a pretty good one um but weirdly enough it's it's one of those films that when I first started watching it, I genuinely forgot that he was in. And every time, every now and again, it pops up. And I'm like, I completely forget Bruce Campbell's in it. Um, and he's not like an Ash character in it. So it, it was him trying to stretch out of uh, that sort of, um, you know, Ash character, you know, as I keep saying. But um, but that's genuinely worth uh, a watch. Um, after that, he did a few other ones, so like Moontrap and Intruder. And then he did Sundown the Vampire Retreat, which, you know, isn't the necessarily greatest film, but it's still a bit of fun. And it's sort of like one of those films that Bruce Campbell went on to continue to make. Um, he did make another Maniac Cop in 1990, but another film in the same year was Darkman. Now, you're probably thinking Bruce Campbell wasn't in Darkman. And if, if you're thinking that, uh, then you're wrong. Or you're probably going, yeah, he was in Darkman. And... Basically, he's in it for like a split fucking second. Um, he's, he's the guy that turns around at the end of the movie and sort of stares at the screen in the crowd um, because that is basically his, his reconstructed face into uh, an even more handsome man as, as Bruce Campbell. Now, what I find really interesting about Darkman is, um, and it's another example of, of the frustration of why studios just wouldn't bank on bruce campbell um because dark man is like for me the perfect film whenever i watch dark man or think about it i think to myself how incredible would bruce campbell be in this movie it's like it's made for him you know it, it's dark it's very sort of over the top um and he's that that's bruce campbell that's he that's how he acts that's who he's who he is and, and that's how good he is at doing it. And don't get me wrong, Liam Neeson is really good in this film, but I think that that would have been once again another stepping stone in um, in Bruce Campbell's career, bearing in mind Dark Man was directed by Sam Raimi. So the fact that that sort of never happened um, is always confusing to me. And if as well as that, if you like Dark Man, which once again, as I say, it's a great film. I love Dark Man. And apparently... Um, it's in talks that there might be a Dark Man too. But if you've list, if you've watched Dark Man and you think Bruce Campbell um, would be a, a, a better fit for the character, then then message me on Instagram. We can have a chat about it, and and you know, or any other films that you think Bruce Campbell uh, would have been better in. Um, then let me know. But I I would love to have seen him in in that film. I think he would have been perfect. But once again, studios for some reason, was so reluctant to put Bruce Campbell in in movies, which is a fucking travesty. And so after his incredibly small 
you know, blink or you'll miss it role in Darkman. He sort of continued this sort of path of, of being in these smaller sort of movies, you know, once and again, not being given the chance to be a lead. But this is until 1992 when they released the third installment of the Evil Dead franchise, Army of Darkness. And once again, this is a definitive role for Bruce Campbell. I mean, one, Army of Darkness is so fucking good. And I I genuinely love this movie. And obviously the Evil Dead as a franchise, it's incredible because every film is a different tone. Um, and that's why it is probably my favourite um, franchise in horror. Um, because obviously you include the, the 2013 uh, Fede Alvarez Evil Dead version. But obviously, you know, we don't talk about that on this one, really. Because Bruce Campbell's only on the credits. Which is still a fucking awesome payoff. Um, but Army of Darkness is the sort of Hollywood um, adventure, you know, comedy horror um, that they, tr- you know, Sam Raimi tried to make um, to be sort of a, a big hit. Um, but the biggest takeaway from the movie is is Bruce Campbell again because he steals the show, and that's what he does. He's so good at it, but he steals the show once again in Army of Darkness. Um, you know, he's hilarious, and the lines that he has in this film fucking make me piss myself laughing still to this day. You know. I absolutely love the scene at the start, obviously, where he's sort of the prisoner and um, he tells the guy uh, that his shoelace is untied and then there's like the pause and he looks down and then he just punches him in the face. I laugh every time I see that. You've got the classic scene uh, where he calls his shotgun his boomstick. Um, you've got, you know, hail to the king, baby, give me some sugar. Um, you know, just the scenes in this film are like, for me, as much as Evil Dead 2 created Ash as a character or Bruce Campbell created that character in Evil Dead 2, he excelled as that character in Army of Darkness. And for me, should have been the establishing point of him being a leading man in cinema. You know, he has the looks, um, you know, and... You know, and the acting chops, you know, and he feels such like an old school sort of actor, you know, a Hollywood actor um, in Army of Darkness, that this should have been the point where his career took off. You know, as I've already mentioned, um, you know, it, it didn't take off because Army of Darkness was sort of left left in the dust, unfortunately, from... Uh, some Steven Spielberg and, and some fucking dinosaurs, which um, is such a such a shame because Army of Darkness is such a great film um, that it deserves, uh, well, deserved back then to be more respected than, than what it was and to get more out of it what it was. But the biggest thing out of it is that Bruce Campbell didn't go on to be what he should have been. Um so as I move on through the list, um, and as I said, from this point on, you know, you don't be a leading man in, in you know, in a, in a Hollywood movie and, and, you know, and not get any roles. Um, so from this point on, I'm, as I say, I'm going to be still be going to be very picky in terms of what I choose because he's been in a lot. 
But after Army of Darkness, he had uh, in 1993-94, unfortunately, he only had one series in um, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which is a really good show. He's fantastic in it. He sort of um, plays... It's not so sort of tongue-in-cheek um, as as his character, obviously, Ash Easy is in Army of Darkness, but it's he's really, really good once again and steals the show in Briscoe County. And it is a program, um, is a cult favourite program, and so many people do always talk about it in when you're talking about Bruce Campbell, um, well, any of the big fans of his anyway, and um, it genuinely did deserve to go on longer than what it did. Um, he was in Congo uh, for a little bit, and then he fucking died. Um, and then he started having movies like Tornado, which was a TV movie, which is obviously fucking awful. But then he ended up in, in um, Escape from L.A. with Kurt Russell, which is an interesting one because not many people realise that his character is in um, Escape from L.A. because his character um, is like a plastic surgeon. So, so many people I speak to, about that film they're like i had no fucking clue that that was bruce campbell i mean one he's fantastic in it but he doesn't look like him because you know he's a plastic surgeon and he's you know done it all on his face and that so um if you don't know what i'm talking about go on google and type in bruce campbell escape from la and you will see what i mean um it's a drastic change um to what he normally looks like but in 1997, as I said, I've been moving through this list. He did a film called Running Time, which once again, not many people know about. And that's a film um, sort of uh, from what I remember is like about like a bank heist or a bank robbery and so on. But that film is very, very good. And it's also a serious film. This isn't, you know, a Bruce Campbell character that, that he's, you know, normally playing. This is one of the times uh, where he was fully flexing his acting sort of muscles and it's very very good i really enjoy running time and it's a film that's in black and white as well but um if you've never seen that do it because once again like this episode of this podcast it's the exploration of of bruce campbell's uh sort of career and uh what he's done and the appreciation of it so if you want to show your appreciation more of bruce campbell um, then you need to experience his films outside of what most people have seen, which is The Evil Dead. Um, and Running Time is genuinely one that's worth going for. McHale's Navy was in 97 as well, um, where he, he's, he's very, very funny in McHale's Navy and very much going back to sort of a, a Bruce Campbell character. Um, and then uh in 1996, 97, as well as that, because he's a fucking busy guy, he was on the Ellen TV series, which, weirdly enough, I will speak to you a little bit more uh, later. And then in 1999 as well, um, this is also something, once again, that I will speak about later. Um, he appeared in an episode of The X-Files. Um, but from this point on, you know, a lot of it was all sort of TV work. He was in Xena. Uh, the warrior princess which was a real fun series and he was absolutely fantastic and a big fan favorite in that and he played a character in it um that i can't pronounce his fucking name so i won't ever try but loads of you out there will be able to do it and also he um was also in hercules playing the same um character but um 
they're a genuinely fun series, you know, and one of those sort of old schools, uh, sort of 90s programs that was around the same sort of time as Buffy and, and all that sort of stuff. But once again, he was great in it. But then you sort of keep going through here. Um, you know, he had a cameo in Spider-Man, obviously, in the ring announcer. Um, and he, well, he's been in all the Spider-Man movies that Sam Raimi has uh, has done. And he's fucking hilarious in them all. So um, thank God he's in them. But, I mean, you just hoped or wished that he had, you know, a main part in it. Because they're sort of films that suit it as well. I mean... Sam Raimi should have made it really a rule that any film he does, Bruce Campbell should have a big role in it because they work so well together. And so much of what Sam Raimi does, uh, the work would so much suit Bruce Campbell perfectly that no matter what film he does, whether it's one of Sam Raimi's films where it's a little bit more serious, well, we know Bruce can do that. Uh, and if it's, you know, the comedy roles, well, we know he can do that as well. So he just Sam Raimi, just fucking put Bruce Campbell in everything as the lead, uh, male or female. He can do it. But then in 2002, um, he was in Bubba Hotep. This is a film that I absolutely love. And it is another cult favorite. And it probably is, apart from The Evil Dead, one of the films that gets spoken about in regards to Bruce uh, Campbell um, among horror fans in Bubba Hotep and I, I did mention it earlier on as well but he plays uh, an old Elvis uh, who's now in a nursing home uh, who ends up having to fight off Bubba Hotep who's like a sort of an ancient mummy that's trying to steal these souls from from old people because obviously they're easy to get um, and uh, it's a fantastic film it's so odd but in the most delightful way and it's so charming but once again it it was another example of how brilliant and how committed bruce campbell is to the right role and he's fantastic in it and baba hotep is one of the films as i say that a lot of people have seen and if you haven't after this um episode and you've listened to it and make sure you listen to it the whole way through hope you do but go and watch baba hotep if you love bruce campbell you love films that are a bit weird it's really, really, really worth it. So at this point, you can pretty much start moving up the list because everything he's done, uh, you know, from 2002 onwards, is just little bit parts and, and so on like that. But until you get to Man with a Screaming Brain in 2005, so that is a film uh, that Bruce Campbell directed. It was his, like his sort of passion project. Um, and it's a fucking weird one, but in a good way. Um, it is a culmination of all the best sort of bits of Bruce Campbell's acting and humour. And it is very, very um, low budget and independent, very much like old school Evil Dead films, which is what, probably why you feel so at home in it. Um, so if you like odd films that are fucking weird and have a strange storyline, um, then go and watch it. But it's it's made better because you have a star like Bruce Campbell in it. Um, but after this, you sort of move up and then you get another film, which is, you know, pretty similar because it's another film directed by Bruce Campbell, which is the very incredibly meta movie. My name is Bruce, um, which once again is a fun film to watch, um, which is essentially all about um, there's there's monsters that are basically around 
uh, I can't remember whether he's like a samurai or a ninja monster, but somebody uh, basically kidnaps Bruce Campbell because they're convinced, because of the Evil Dead movies, uh, that he can vanquish um, the evil. But obviously, you know, it's Bruce Campbell in 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 the film. He's playing Bruce Campbell, not Ash or or a monster slayer. So it, it makes for a very interesting and uh, fun film. And and obviously, Bruce Campbell is fantastic in it. And one of the other really good TV shows to mention, and, and if you haven't seen it, it's worth going back to doing it. Um, but he also in a show called Burn Notice, which was a really big hit. Um, so much so that his character, who everybody loved, and he is fantastic in it, but he's very Bruce Campbell in it. Um, he plays a character called Sam Axe, and he gets his own spin-off, his own TV movie um, spin-off of the uh the character of the show but burn notice went on for i think it was like seven or eight seasons i watched it all because it was a genuinely good um fun and uh entertaining tv show um so it did last quite a while for bruce campbell and he had a, a solid plate of work to, to keep going on but obviously all good things come to an end but then we get to 2009 and he's in cloudy with a chance of meatballs where he plays the mayor and it was so fun because uh, I had no idea that Bruce Campbell was, was going to be in it. And uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, meatballs is, a, is a real fun uh, animated movie. I'm not a biggest fan of, of animated films, but this is a good one. And uh, when the mayor came up and I was just like, I know that voice from somewhere. It took me a couple of seconds to realise it was Brucey. And uh, what a nice surprise that was. And unfortunately... From this point on, you have to pretty much go all the way up to 2015 to 2018, where everything was sort of, you know, little parts and, and, and co-parts and so on like that. You know, when he should be getting bigger things, but he just wasn't. But as I say, you go up to 2015, where you get the next entry into the Evil Dead franchise with Ash versus Evil Dead. And I mean, how fucking good is is that show um and it sucks like i said earlier it sucks that it didn't go on for longer because you know you want it to continue because it's bruce campbell going back to the roots of, of this character with sam raimi along with the journey as well because he was so much involved in it and it's great it's a great show because it incorporates everything we love visually it's it's stunning so the soundtrack's great there's loads of blood there's the inventive you know deaths and and the gore but it's so funny as well and so much of it once again is driven by bruce campbell's incredible performance by ash that takes it even a next step further than evil dead and evil dead 2 and army of darkness it just continues this 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 path where you are understanding ash more as a character um it sucks that it didn't go on longer and where as I said when the sh where the show was you know ended and where it was heading could have take it, taken it into some such interesting uh, places and the stories would have been great and we all know Bruce would have been fantastic but let's be happy that we got three really really good seasons of Ash versus Evil Dead and from Ash versus Evil Dead, there's not really that much to, to really talk about apart from obviously, you know, the bit parts and the co-star parts uh, that he plays. He was recently in uh, Black Friday, a horror um, that's set in a supermarket sort of thing. 
But it, we move on really to his next really sort of instalment as Ash in the Evil Dead the game, which is very recently released uh, that I do have and haven't had a chance to play yet. But I've heard really good things and I will let everybody know what I think about the game. Um, but with him voicing the characters, I'm, I'm sure it's absolutely fucking epic and I can't wait to play it. But this is this is the sad thing, isn't it? Is that... I, I wouldn't say it's sad, but it's just, for me, it's frustrating. And why is it frustrating? Because when you are a fan of, of an actor or an actress and, and you have a genuine, you know, love for the work that they've done, someone like Bruce Campbell deserved to be more than what he is. And, and what I mean by that is he is a leading man and he deserved to be and deserves to be. He is a fantastic actor. And don't get me wrong, he's very good at playing, you know, Bruce, Bruce Campbell-esque characters or Ash-esque characters. But he is also a fantastic actor in regards to not playing those types of characters. Um, and he hasn't done enough of them. So is that something that has potentially played a part in, in not getting in those roles? Um because it really, really does fucking suck that studios did not take more of a chance on him. Like I said, I don't know how he didn't play Dark Man because that's like the perfect role for him. You know, how they got Billy Zane over him playing the Phantom, I don't fucking know. People should have taken more chance on him back then. And I'm sure back then um, it did piss him off. And I know now, you know, he doesn't give a fuck now. He's at that age now. Well, he's done what he needs to, and he's happy living the life uh, that he does. He's got fucking money. He can go to any convention and probably make so much fucking bank. It's insane. But as a career, I genuinely wish that he was given the opportunity to do more. Because he deserved it. You know, look. you look at any chance that he's been given to be the lead, and he has excelled. He has been fantastic. So... It, it does suck, and I do genuinely feel for him. Not that he gives a fuck, especially what I think, but I genuinely do think that it's a travesty that he hasn't been given the opportunities to to excel in more like he has done in, in so much else. Because if you are a fan of Bruce Campbell, you genuinely do love his work, um, and you love seeing him as a person in interviews and that because he's such a fantastic guy and he's such an incredibly intelligently funny person that it, it's such a shame that we are this far into his career and people look back on e the evil dead as as his sort of main thing and and it is his main thing because it's so big you know it's the evil dead you know it's one of the biggest horror franchises of all time but we can't forget that it you know even though sam raimi is the director and that it's led by bruce campbell and he's fantastic acting but as we know he's he's you know hung up those these chainsaw for that now and uh and and sort of rightly so but as i say it is genuinely a shame what I want to do now is, uh, after going through all of that and then sort of his filmography of, of sort of like highlighted points, uh, I really want to go through sort of what Bruce Campbell means to me on a person. And 
for me to to really talk personally about Bruce Campbell, to, you know, I have to sort of go back. Um, and and it's something that before you know, as I was thinking about doing this this special all about this man, is um, it's something that I find really interesting. Uh, and then this is why. So. I obviously had watched the Evil Dead movies from a very young age. As everybody knows, horror has been a huge part of my life from a, you know, a way too young age. And Evil Dead was one of those sort of films I always remember watching young because of the aesthetics of the cover and the posters. And then when you watch the film, it just looks so fucking gross and everything that's going on. But when you're young, you have that stage where you 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 just watch the films and you don't necessarily really associate the people, you know, whether it's the actors or the directors or the people who are doing the composing of the music. You know, that doesn't really sort of click when you're young. It's just the films and how they make you feel, not how the people make you feel. And this is what I find really interesting. So I'd watched the Evil Dead movies uh, from where I from when I was young. But two other things that I had watched when I was young was the the Ellen TV show, and uh, there was a character on it, and um, he was always really funny, incredibly sarcastic, and I absolutely loved his character in it. And then we move on to one of my favourite shows of all time, and it is one of the films, uh, one of the shows that really once again got me. Uh, so excited for for horror or these sort of paranormal sort of things and so on and that that was the the x-files it's it's one of the greatest shows and one of the most important shows still to this day ever made and my favorite episode um of the x-files is terms of endearment and the reason that it's my favorite episode is because of the performance and the reason is is because like I said, at that age, I wasn't associating performances to an actor. It was only a bit later on in life that it all clicked. Uh, so when I was watching The X-Files, I had no idea in my brain that that was the guy um, who was in the Evil Dead movies um, or Army of Darkness, which is a film, once again, like the other Evil Dead films, I absolutely loved um it it didn't click into my head that that was the guy from from ellen and when i realized that it really struck a chord with me because i am such a fan of bruce campbell that i find it so interesting that i didn't even know it was him in those things like i said x files and ellen but he was still my favorite part of it and that is for me the example of the testament um of how incredible his talents are you know and how drawn in you are by this guy i had no idea of the actor of bruce campbell i just knew of those things individually as far as i'm concerned it was a different person in every one of those things but it wasn't it was him so the fact um that i never associated those characters at all with bruce campbell until later on to me really really blows my mind so and as i say if you've never seen his episode in the x-files terms of endearment watch it because i think as well one of the other reasons is that i didn't associate it with the fact that it that was the guy from the evil dead movies and so on is because he is 
absolutely fantastic. His acting in The X-Files is unlike many roles uh, that Bruce Campbell has played. He's not, you know, a tongue-in-cheek, one-liner character in it. He's a very broken uh, character in it. Um, you know, somebody that feels like he might be forced against his will and, and so on like that. And obviously there's the twists and turns that you normally get in an X-Files episode. And obviously he's got, you know, mostly a shaved sort of head in it as well. Um, but he is so good in that episode that every now and again I put it on um, because it makes you wish that he was given those opportunities more, you know, not just to be, you know, Bruce Campbell is playing Ash or Bruce Campbell is playing an S, you know, one of those sort of characters. When he really gets a chance to show off his acting skills and his acting chops, he is genuinely fantastic. So all we can do really, and all I can do is hope uh, when it comes to um, the future of, of Bruce Campbell um, performances, that we see a little bit more of that. And I really do hope he starts getting into the opportunities where he can be a little bit um, more in those sort of uh, drama-driven roles, Um, not necessarily in a drama programme, but, you know, those sort of straighter uh, edge roles that he deserves to be in. Because if he'd have done more of that, then maybe he would have been in more, regarded more of an actor rather than the guy Uh, from the Evil Dead movies. So it's a shame that he's not, as I said before, but to me, on a personal level, I genuinely find it fascinating that I didn't even know who the fuck this guy was in in these programs um, that that I kept on thinking, he is so good and he's making me laugh or he's delivering incredible performances and then only later on in life realising And one of the other things I'm gutted about is the fact that in my life, I still have never met Bruce Campbell. Um, I know a lot of people have, especially in the horror community. Uh, You know, I see pictures and they look incredible um, and experiences that people have told me about. You know, he knows how to work a crowd Um, when you see him at these conventions and so on. he, He really, really is the star of the show. Like I've said so many times during this podcast, um, the star of the show that he should have been throughout his whole career. Um, but he, he he's so good at these things. And um, all I can do is hope that one day I, I get the chance to meet him because I've got a lot to talk to him about. And he will probably tell me to fuck off. But if you listen to the episode um, and you have met Bruce Campbell, then get onto our Instagram page. And, and let me know, send me a direct message and let me know what is what is Bruce Campbell like in real life? Is he really uh, like the star that I genuinely think he is? And, and is he really as cool as everybody thinks and says he is? But yeah, bucket list, meeting Bruce Campbell is, is 100% one of them. And that is pretty much it in regards to this sort of discussion uh and conversation about bruce campbell i've given you everything i pretty much can uh without making this you know two or three hours long i wanted to try and fit as much as i can in uh without making uh it as boring as fuck and i really hope that you haven't found it boring what i hope is that um if you are a fan of bruce campbell you've enjoyed 
uh, how passionate I am about speaking about, uh, you know, once again, a topic or a person that really does genuinely uh, mean something to me and has a, had a lasting impact uh, on my life personally. Um, or if you don't, if you listen to this and you don't really know who Bruce Campbell is, um, or you only really know him from what a lot of people do, which is from the Evil Dead movies, but it's intrigued you to think and look at more. I hope that this podcast episode has, has done that for you. Because ultimately, you know, no matter, every time I talk about Bruce Campbell and every time I think about Bruce Campbell, I wish there was more because he deserved more. Um, and that's not as if, I'm not talking as if he didn't have a career because he did. I mean, it's over 40 years. He wasn't just, you know, in one film and that was it. You know, he's made his money uh, and he still continues to make a shitload of money. And he is genuinely living the dream. But as I said, he, he deserved more throughout his career. And I do think that he was definitely hard done by um, by people who should have given him the chance. But really, ultimately... What we do have is an actor who is incredible and has has been in something that a lot of actors have never been in, whether they've got short careers or long careers. What we do have is a franchise um, that continues um, to grow, um, whether it's through Bruce Campbell or or Sam Raimi, it's whether it's by Fede Alvarez in 2013, or we've got, I think it's Lee Cronin or Cronin uh, for Evil Dead Rise. You know, Evil Dead st uh, is still going, but we will still always associate it with Bruce Campbell. So there's not a lot of actors out there that can, t that can turn around and say, I've had a career um, that goes over 40 years. Um, in my career, I was in a franchise that is so loved and so beloved by fans that I still get to make a fucking bank out of whenever I go to conventions. Uh, so, so screw you, because if I was Bruce Campbell, that's what I'd be telling people all the time. But this is why I wanted to do uh, a super fucking special episode all about this guy, because that's what this podcast is all about. I am not someone that just wants to sit here and talk about the films of the genre because that's exactly what it is. It's a genre. Um, and that is what is important to me. As you as you know, if you've if you've listened to the episodes or you've gone through the episodes uh, or, or even seen the list of them, uh, you will know the first five episodes uh, I did aren't even about movies. It's about the genre. And that's what's important to me about discussing on this podcast, whether it's just me or whether I've got a guest. Um, I want to explore horror in its entirety. And Bruce Campbell is part of horror. He's part of Horror Hall of Fame. He's an icon of it. And he deserves every, every good bit of uh, credit and anything that he gets. And uh, I am, I'm really um you know feel that that now was a really good time to go old school on this podcast and talk about um a person uh, or a topic or anything rather than just uh, you know having a movie that i love to talk about so i really hope that you uh, enjoyed me talking about it but where it's always a little bit shorter um when i when i do these episodes on my own we do have time for a review.
So on this episode, um, I thought I would review uh, what is the last uh, film I watched, which was a, a film I wanted to see when I first heard about it, and I was fucking psyched um, that it was happening. And then something happened, um, and it made me not want to watch it. And I didn't really know how I felt about it and what to do. Um, but then, obviously, now I have watched it. Um, and I'm talking about the Foo Fighters movie, Studio 666. When it first got announced, I was really excited about it. Why? Because I have always been a massive Foo Fighters fan ever since a teenager. Colour of Shape is one of the greatest albums of all time, or one of my favourite albums of all time. It's so good. Um, and I, I just love the Foo Fighters. And I love the fact that Dave Grohl's fucking hilarious. Um, and I, I just, I was so excited about the movie when I found out that it was obviously one, going to be a horror and two, that, you know, they were really, really fucking going for it. Um, and then the trailer came out and it looked, it looked great. So I was really excited about seeing it. But then we got the unfortunate news uh, about Taylor Hawkins, one of the, the greatest drummers um, that there is. And, uh, you know, I mean, when you're drumming in a band with, with, one of the other greatest drummers of all time, great Dave Grohl is, you know, you've got to be fucking good. He isn't going to have you in your band if you're not. And and he really, really was. And he brought something, uh, you know, only Taylor Hawkins could to the band. So when the film got released and uh, obviously, you know, Taylor died, um, I really didn't know what to do because Unfortunately, we all know in the film that, and and this is going to be spoiler-heavy review, remember, um, but we all know, even from the trailer, you know that the band are going to meet their demise in it. They're going to die, and they're going to die in pretty sinister and gory ways because it's that type of film. So I really didn't know what to do, how I felt about watching that happen to Taylor on screen, knowing, you know, what happened and 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 you know and it's still sad they are still thinking about it now it's sad and it fucking sucks but i decided to watch it and the reason being is because i really i really wanted to watch it i really genuinely wanted to see this film so i try i did my best to put that feelings uh about taylor's death aside so i will i will base this review off the off the film itself and try and try and do what i can to leave that um those feelings and aspect out of it so in regards to a synopsis of the movie it, it's pretty standard but this is what google has some members of the rock band foo fighters move into an encino mansion steeped in a grisly rock and roll history to record their much anticipated 10th album once in the house, Dave Grohl finds himself grappling with the supernatural forces that threaten both the completion of the album and the lives of the band members. Now, for Google, that's actually quite good because that, that's pretty much it. You know, horror films are always going to be difficult to depict, you know, to depict into words or to put into sort of some formal synopsis as to what happens in them. Because one, they're fucking horror films. And two, you know, you don't want to give that much away. Um, so everybody knows 
that when I do these podcasts, I always put the Google synopsis in it um, to basically say how shit they are. But that's quite good. But that is essentially what happens in Studio 666. Um, they, they go to this uh, this studio and um, that's that's where they decide to, to create the, the 10th studio album. Uh, but then shit goes down. Uh, Dave Grohl gets possessed and basically goes around uh, killing them all, uh, the rest of the band members one by one. Um, and then obviously, you know, the remaining ones are trying to do what they can to essentially save themselves and save Dave Grohl and get him, uh, you know, exercised and all that sort of shit. But this film is, is so good. I genuinely enjoyed it and it was genuinely better than what I thought it was going to be. One, if we're going to go working on the performances. So Dave Grohl has always been somebody that we know he could act, you know, like he, you know, he's never really been in anything, but the music videos, he's always good in when he's in them. You know, it was all only a matter of time before he was going to do something. Um, I'm just happy that it was this. I'm happy that it, you know, that it was a Foo Fighters movie that he did and he, it wasn't any form of like selling out or anything like that. It was just, uh, they did it this way. So Dave Grohl as the leading man in this is actually you know really good um you know he plays his part very very well and you could tell he is a genuine fan of horror when you're watching it um because there's so many sort of those those nods and i'll get on to that um but the rest of the band really do play their parts well as well um taylor is genuinely hilarious um and i'm, I'm honestly not just saying that i love how he's so sort of uh, sarcastic towards Dave Grohl and Pat Smear. Although when the film started, um, I didn't know whether Pat Smear was just going to be shit because he wasn't great at the start. But then you realise like that's the charm to his character in it. You know, he's walking around in one of those like weird sort of Victorian sleeping stuff and one of those hats like he should be carrying a candle around and stuff. And But he's, you know, got this sort of childlike quality to him and you realise that he is actually sort of playing actually like a bit of a character. And uh, so the, the, the band itself are, to be honest, better than what you think they're going to be, you know. But then the whole film is better than what you think it's going to be, you know. There is real effort put into this. You know, it looks very, very good. I mean, this film looks better than so many horror films that I've seen recently. You know, visually, it looks very, very well done. Um, you know, the mixture of, uh, you know, practical effects and visual um, effects work really well. It, you know, and, and the acting, as I said, from from these the, the side characters. So you've got like Will Forte, and I think it, I think it's Whitney Cummings. I could be wrong, um, but they are both really good in the role. Um, and uh, their their band manager as well is really funny. He's just being some angry fuck. <laughs> but this film, as I said, it exceeded my expectations. You know, is it the best horror there is? Is it the best film I've seen uh, ever? No, absolutely not. But there's something really funny as well about the film where the script is really bad, is in it, there is pretty much no script, but also it works for the film because pretty much the whole film is them telling each other to fuck off in different ways you know the way taylor would tell dave to fuck off is so funny and the way dave will 
uh, Grohl will tell the others to do it. It's it's so entertaining, and that's exactly what this film is, and what it's set out to be is entertaining. It is a thrill ride horror that has comedy elements that are genuinely really funny. But for the horror fan, for the hardcore horror fan, the kills, the deaths in this film are really fucking gnarly. Like they are full on, you know, decapitations, you know limbs getting ripped off and stuff like this is genuinely full-on and it's interesting when you watch this film and you have that mix you know there is no playing down the horror elements in this film and and to go back to the to taylor hawkins as well i'm not gonna lie um and i did i did say this uh because i did do a like a mini review on the instagram page uh, about this film but i did uh in all honesty skip over um, the death scene for Taylor. Um, I didn't feel comfortable watching it. And that's not, you know, anything to do with the film or the band or anything like that. It's just for me personally, uh, I wasn't ready to see that. Um, so um, I did skip over that scene, but it doesn't affect the movie in any way of, of doing that. Um, you just sort of know when each band member's time uh, to for demise, so to speak, is, is on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did skip over Taylor Hawkins' death scene because you you know it's going to happen. But um, it is genuinely a very good film and pretty much anybody that I've spoken to genuinely really enjoyed it. And I think if you are a fan of Foo Fighters, it takes it that extra step um, of enjoyment that you get out of it, knowing that these guys have really put their heart and soul and effort into making a film um that ultimately is a film about a band you know making it not shit um because um it could have very but you know easily been uh one of those films where the acting is so bad it puts you off it you know the story is shit with a script that's you know awful um you know at least even though the you know the script in this is pretty redundant it's still fucking hilarious um so overall i think if you're a fan of Food Fighters, as I say, you need to see this film, whether you do what I did and skip over the Taylor thing, or if you just watch it out of, you know, if you want to, you know, if you find that watching it is respectful of it, then then please do um, find your own way to, to see this film like I did, um, because it was uh, an emotional roller coaster. So uh, from from knowing that it was coming out and being, you know, super, you know, excited and hyped for it, to not wanting to watch it because of what happened uh, and not being ready to, and then and then being ready to watch it, and it did not disappoint. So uh, Studio 666, I highly recommend it, whether you are a fan of Foo Fighters or not, um, and uh, I think that you will have a fucking blast um, watching it. And, and also, lastly to mention, the obviously the music in it being Foo Fires, but it's fucking awesome, the music in it. Um, and you can uh, download the the Death sort of metal album um, that I think they're called Death Widow, I think the band that's in the movie, um, that is obviously, you know, Foo Fires themselves. Um, but you can download that album separately. Um, and it just, it's great. It works for the film. And it's another another good part of the film is, is the sound. Once again, overall, there's not many faults in, in this film if you just want a really fucking fun blast of a horror to watch.
So Studio 666, go and fucking watch it. But take your time and figure out how you want to do it. And so now we move on to uh, the segment that I absolutely love. You know I do, um, because I, I, I always feel so grateful that I get to have these conversations with, with horror fans all over the world. Um, and hearing these stories really, really bring back those nostalgia memories for me. So um, here we have, as usual, the segment, Your First Time. So I'm sure by now all of you know what, uh, well, that's pretentious of me, isn't it? Not thinking that, you you know, loads of people listen to my podcast. Uh, hopefully they do. Uh, but if if you don't um, know what this, this segment is that I, as I say, I genuinely do love, um, your first time is basically where uh, people send me messages, mostly on Instagram, uh, basically detailing their first ever experience that they remember with a horror film. Um, and and I love I love having these conversations, as I said, um, and I love putting them into this, this uh, podcast episode. And I try and do it as much as I can. And I fit in as many as I can. Um, and I've got some really, really good ones for this one. Some of them are longer, some of them are shorter. So if you do want your uh, first memory or you want to shout out in one of these episodes then go to our instagram page and send me as i say a direct message uh, and and detail me as much as you can about the experience and what film obviously it was and how it made you feel of your first time ever watching a horror film and i will do everything i can to put it into one of these episodes so the first memory i got uh is a is, is, is to be honest is a funny one and the reason being uh, is because recently i was on uh, my first ever live stream uh, i think it was on youtube and twitch uh, and that was with Coupernut, um who you can find on instagram as well as uh, my mate phil um phil can draw who's also um on uh instagram and uh, you'll actually hear uh, an experience from him himself uh, but on that you can actually find out um coop's real um experience first horror uh, movie experience which was i'll give you a heads up it was halloween but i won't tell you much about this um but when asking him about it he basically told me uh, alice in wonderland um and he said that that smoking caterpillar is the scariest shit in history literally haunted my fucking dreams and it's still does um so thanks for that alice in wonderland is the scariest film uh, that Coupernut has ever seen and another really um short experience uh, as well uh was from a, a friend of mine as well because you know i don't just have these conversations with with people uh, on instagram and that i have these conversations with people in real life because i'm genuinely so interested in people's journey through horror whether it stopped then or whether it continued uh, and a friend uh, my 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 friend neil um basically he put uh, the ghost watch there's a bit where uh, where this is the scene pans across the bedroom door and there was a shadowy figure and then it was gone um, and he thinks that it was about them that he shot himself, which I remember. And I remember that being pretty creepy as well. But that was his very sort of short memory. Um, but once again, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a long example, you know, a long memory that you've got, you know, full of details or whether it's a short one like that. You don't forget it. And that's the point of this segment. You don't forget your first horror film because it starts you on this journey 
or it fucks you over. And so the next um, memory that I've got uh, is from a friend of mine as well, Steve, um, and he sent me this fantastically detailed um, memory. Uh, and and from now, for the next ones I've got as well are a little bit more detailed. So he put, um, bizarrely, that my first memory uh, was watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space. What a classic. Um, and he watched it at a friend's party when he was nine. There was a feeling that they were doing something naughty by watching it. And then the excitement then turned to dread with some of the other kids leaving the room because they were too scared. My personal memory of watching it was the adrenaline it gave me. Previously, I just mostly watched comedies and mild action films, but this film experience felt differently. It definitely stuck uh, with me for a while after and made me want to watch more films of the horror genre to get that feeling again. I guess watching clowns throw acid pies at a security guard has that effect on a kid. Watched it a few years after and it was a completely different experience. And, and and I know exactly what you mean. You like sometimes these films, um, you know, change, uh, you know, you, when you watch them when you're younger and you watch them now, sometimes they get worse, sometimes they get better. Sometimes they're just fucking hilarious when you used to get scared shitless by them. But that one and the next ones are really good prime examples of what I want from this segment, what I want from you amazing listeners. You know, it's I love reading it. I love reading it. And I love speaking to people, whether it's, as I say, over Instagram or in real life. That's, a, that's such an incredible memory because it's something that he hasn't forgotten. No matter what the film is, he hasn't forgotten it and he hasn't forgotten the feeling and he hasn't forgotten the experience. So, so thank you, Steve, uh, for sending that over to me. So the next memory that I've got is actually from Phil Can Draw uh, on Instagram, who uh, is, is a friend of mine and also the, the co-host of uh, Unadulterated stream that I was on, like I said, with Coupinut. Um, so make sure you go and check out their stuff. Just go to YouTube or Twitch, uh, check it out. Um, because it was so much fun to be on. Um, and he was nice enough to once again to to send me his uh, first experience. So um, he remembers when he was a young teenager and he would stay up real late watching TV. More than likely, you're a trash, obviously, <laughs> which makes me laugh because in the UK, that was the late night shit that you would put on, you know, the shit you weren't allowed to watch. Uh, and then he flicked over and stumbled into the middle of Evil Dead and not knowing what the hell was going on. There was some mad woman coming out the basement and there was a dude strapping a chainsaw to his hand and having zero context for any of it because he'd missed the start. And he still hasn't seen the whole movie. And we had this sort of discussion um, on uh, the stream that I was that I was on um, because um, both Coupinut and, and Phil are um, not the biggest fans of sort of horrors. Um, but once again, that is the example, isn't it? Because he can remember it. He remembers this. You know, did that start him on this journey of not wanting to watch horror? Uh, or does he do, does it not just fucking matter? Um, you know, but it's a great memory because it's there, you know, stuck in his brain uh, for all of existence. And, and it will stay there because these first times of horrors always do. And the last one that I've got, uh, which is a you know another amazingly detailed one, so thank you so much. Uh, this is from uh, Matt Stapleton, who is the creator of the incredible What If stories. Um, if you don't know what they are, go and check them out. They have just uh, got fully funded on their Kickstarter for the next episode. 
um, which is, uh, you know, basically Die Hard, John McClane with zombies. Um, I have the issues of this, um, you know, this series. Uh, they're all different. They're all great. They're all fun. The artwork's great and the story is great. And it's genuinely written, um, you know, by somebody who genuinely loves the genre and the films that he's depicting in these books. Um, so I would genuinely 100% recommend it. This isn't, I'm not just saying that because he sent me a message through. Um, he sent me a message through because I speak to him um, and I've spoken to him at conventions because he's a genuinely nice guy and his work is incredible. Um, but he has two vivid memories. And the first one, we've got Jaws. Uh, we used to have the old top load of VHS and it had a plug-in remote. Because I watched the tape over and over, I'd never be sure where it was going to be when I turned it back on. I'd take the remote back as far as I could before pressing plays through fear. Bruce would come out of the TV and get me. That film really had an impact on me and a kind of blend of a fascination and fear. Uh, I was terrified, but I couldn't look away. I can't pick one particular moment because from the opening attack to Quint's death to Ben Gardner's head appearing these moments after sheer terror for me now. So, yeah, I mean, I know exactly sort of what you mean. You know, that's the thing with a film like Jaws, you know, like it, 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 there's so many like sort of terrifying uh, bits in it um, that you are fascinated by the story and fascinated by what's going on. And, uh, you know, the shark itself and why it's doing it or where it is and everything that's going on. It's the, it's the you know, it's the the wonder and, and the uh, the incredible talents of Steven Spielberg's filmmaking. Um, but you are, especially as a kid watching Jaws, there's part of this intense, you know, when you're terrified, it really, it really does impact in that film, like in an instance. Um, so I know exactly what you mean about Jaws. And obviously it doesn't help that, you know, he's one of the greatest films of, of all time. And then the second experience he gave me uh, was all about another classic, Gremlins, where he said that he lied and he paid the ultimate penalty. He told his dad, his mum said that, that he could watch it. And she did not say that. Um, I remember him coming in to find me hidden behind the sofa during the scene where the Gremlins get out and attacks the teacher. I remember that feeling of peering over the sofa. I was kind of freaking out, but also wanting more. I miss that feeling. I'm a little desensitized these days. And and aren't we aren't we all to to this world of horror? Um, the more we watch it, I suppose, or the younger we watched it, uh, you're right. The more desensitized we are from a very very early age. And luckily for me, um, I've always been able to differentiate from uh, you know art and and film. Uh, to real life and and I'm very thankful that I could do that I could watch these um, sort of films like like Gremlins and, and proper horror films like Evil Dead and um, separate the you know the real world from from the world that they're depicting in them which is why um, I've always been on this path and this journey through horror because I look at the films in their absolute wonder of of everything that they are and what they've become um, and how they've been created. And that's this this genre. So thank you so much to everyone that gave me their first experiences, their first time, because they were all 
amazing and i'm so grateful you sent them all in and as i said if you want to uh have a shout out in the episode and you want your first time your first experience with horror in a podcast episode send it over to me on instagram and uh and i'll do my best to put it in um but what great experiences they are now and probably weren't back then when they were first experiencing them um but i'm sure that they uh look back on them uh, very fondly and very nostalgically, uh, like I do when I think about my first memories and when I speak to people uh, about it, because they, you know, once again, you talk about films like Jaws and it reminds me of the first time I watched Jaws and how I felt, or Gremlins, um, you know, or, or uh, you know, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, fantastic memories, um, and uh, they're, they're ones that will last a lifetime. But only horror can do that and that is that is essentially the episode um what has been going on with uh, the let's talk horror channel well the podcast still continues and i only have you all amazing listeners and, and followers and subscribers to thank you uh for that it, it's been an incredible journey so far and i hope it continues as usual i am always trying to do my best to give you more and i know that to be honest i've been pretty shit at it and why because i only do one of these episodes a month and and i genuinely hope you all understand and believe me when i say i have done everything i can to try and work out for me to bring out more and i just can't Reason being is because I really don't want to, uh, I, you know, lessen the quality of what I bring out. And what I mean by that is that I hope that you all don't think that the podcast and the episodes I bring out are shit. And if you don't, uh, then I'm so thankful for that. And I don't want to ruin any form of integrity by of the, of the episodes by rushing them to get the next one out. Because I am always so passionate about what I talk about, as you can tell in every single episode, I will only ever talk about what I want to talk about or what my guests want to talk about, where they absolutely love it. And I absolutely love it. You know, you've got to have a passion for what you talk about. And this genre is something that I want to talk about, as I say, in its entirety. Um, so for me to try and bring out another episode at the moment, uh, you know, per month and make it two or three or once a week. It's not feasible for me to do that and be happy with it, in all honesty. So, uh, but I am always working on, on what I can do next. And I, can, I can't say too much because I don't know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. Um, but I do know that I have a concrete idea as to what the next step of the Let's Talk Horror channel is. Um, and let's just say that without giving it away too much, all my episodes that I've done, uh, I haven't spoken about anything uh, that might be something that you watch at home. Let's just say that much. That's pretty much all I can say. And that's a big clue, to be honest, of what it's going to be. But I already know what it's going to be titled. Uh, I already know that it's not going to be um, something that will go on forever. But I will know that it is an extra thing that 
I can bring you as part of the Lex Talk Horror channel that I'm really excited for because it's something that I really want to talk about and, and share with you and my experiences with you, um, with whatever I is whatever it is I, I've decided to do and what I want to talk to you. But to say, I don't want to say too much because it all comes down to when and, and how. And hopefully it will be soon and hopefully you will uh, you will start hearing and, and seeing things. Uh, and then if you don't, then I, I've really fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, that's, that's what's to come next. But in general, uh, Instagram is the uh, is the place to go um, for all the information about the show or the YouTube channel or any of the updates that I put on there. It pretty much all goes through there. Um, I've got some incredible followers on there and incredible supporters of uh, the channel, and uh, I'm incredibly grateful for them uh, that, that the support and share on the show. Um, and that's what I ask really for you to do if if you're you know, new to the show, um, or if you, you're a listener, you know, that, that keeps listening to the show and keeps coming back for more, please share the show on, whether it's in real life or in digital life, just, um, you know, share it on because um, this show only will continue to grow um, the more you keep pushing it. Uh, I can only do so much. I can only sit here and talk shit for so long. And uh, I, I hope that you enjoy me talking absolute shit about horror and, and hearing what I've got to say or hearing people's experiences um, because I fucking love doing it. And uh, I hope that you, as I say, I hope you enjoy it enough uh, to help me keep going on this audio journey through horror. So, yeah, get on the Instagram uh, and then hit me up. Send me DMs. If you've got any questions about it, do it. Um, YouTube channel is, is still there and we've still got the TikTok that I upload uh, any what I think is relevant, um, you know, videos or, or anything I can. I'm, I'm doing my best to not post just absolute shit, um, <laughs> to be honest. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's been a great ride so far, and uh, I hope that I can continue. Uh, where do we go next with the, with the podcast? Do you know what? I'm, I won't, I'm not going to tell you what the next episode is. I know what it is, and I also know the guests that I've got in it. But if you want to know what it is, then go and listen to uh, the the stream that I was on, as I said, with Coopnut and uh, Feel Can Draw uh, on YouTube, the uh, unadulterated stream that is to say available on Twitch and YouTube. Go and watch that and then you'll, you'll know what the next episode is going to be about. I'm super excited about it because it is one of those, the only clue I'll give you is it is one of those episodes um, that is very borderline horror. Um, God, it's going to give it away quite a bit now, but uh, you know, a lot of people say it's an action and a sci-fi, but a lot of people really do think that it's a horror because remember, horror can be, you know, it can be a horror film depicted in so many different ways. It doesn't just have to be the blood and guts. Uh, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the monsters. It can just be the horror of the story or the horror that the events that take place. And that's the point. That's why the genre is so vast and so expansive, because it can be anything. And uh, that's what this next film is so uh as far as i'm concerned it is horror and it is definitely part of the horror universe as well 
as action and sci-fi, but it is one of my favourite films of all time, and it is one of the best films uh, in those genres of all time. So I'm very much looking forward to speaking about it. I'm looking forward to having the guest on. Um, and as I said, I won't say what it is or who it is, um, but you will all find out soon. But in the meantime, I genuinely hope you have enjoyed this super groovy extravaganza episode uh, where I've talked in depth about the absolute legend, uh, Bruce Campbell. And other than that, all I can ask you all to do, as usual, is stay creepy. <laughs>